morning. You guys doing well? Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. Good to have you with us on this morning. We hope your time with us is enjoyable. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 28 through 30, three verses. This is our crazy busy series, going from burnout to balance. That's the subtitle. Title of this weekend's message is Messiah Complex. Sounds like an interesting one. Here's what I've learned through the years as a Christian. The more you understand the significance of God completely giving his life for you, for us, the more you can't help but want to live your life for him. I mean, I mean the more that... The more that goes from your head to your heart, not just a concept that the God of the galaxies came to this earth and died for us, it revolutionizes our lives. It changes our lives. And here at Desert Breeze, uh, our mission statement is that we want to help unchurched people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, full devotion to Jesus Christ is uh, synonymous with John 10.10, which says Jesus came... To give us life and life to what? You guys know? Fullest, yeah. So, so full devotion to Christ, fullness of life, they're inseparable. If you want to live a life that most people only dream about, it's through full devotion to Jesus Christ. And we have a 5G process that we take people through. I have the privilege of teaching the class, Game of Life. Kicks off this next, uh, this next week, Thursday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Love to see you there. In fact, we've had quite a number of people gone through that class, but it's an important class. And we take you through the 5G process. Let me just walk you through it real quick, just so you know. But the first G, first base, is that you become a genuine Christian. You encounter Jesus. And when you begin to understand all that he's done for you, uh, you make a commitment to him and then to a local church family like Desert Breeze, and you make that public through water baptism. And then the nat- natural progression of this, so if you're genuine, you're going to be a growing Christian. And uh, life change happens best where here at Desert Breeze? In small groups, yeah, there's no doubt about it. So you're going to want to get connected with other Christians. You're going to want to learn the disciplines necessary for spiritual growth. Because you are, you're desperate to want to grow in your relationship with God. And so that would be the next step. So that's the, go, uh, the growing. So you've got genuine growing. And then it's natural for you to want to get off the bench and into the game, so to speak. You're going to want to get involved in a local church family. And God has shaped you uniquely. He's given you a spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, life experiences, so that you can be a part of the greatest entity on this planet Earth for life change, which is a local church family. So you're going to want to get involved and uh, be a servant within this local church family. Genuine, growing, giving, and then going. Once you've tasted of fellowship with God, oh my goodness, you want everyone that you care about to also know that fellowship. And so you're going to be a going Christian. You're going to let the world know. You're going to get involved with trying to help your friends and family members to know Jesus. And you do all that motivated by what? By fear and pride? No, by a heart that is overtaken by the beauty and the glory of Jesus. By a heart smitten by who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And so that's, that's the 5G process. I teach the class. If you haven't gone through the class, sign up. It's not too late. We'll kick it off this next week. And there's a lot of other classes out there too. And I'll talk maybe through the message about those classes you can get involved with also. But uh, that's kind of, uh, 
kind of what Desert Breeze is about. That's what we're trying to help you to do. We want you to be fully devoted to Christ so that you can experience the fullness of life that only can be found in Him. Now, why did you say all that, Pastor Ray? Because it sounded like you were going to talk about, you know, this Messiah complex. How does that apply to the Messiah complex? Hang on. I'll get you there. Here's my couple opening statements here. There are generally two types of people in the church. After I have said all that, there are two types of people in the church. Those who are lazy, sleepy, stingy Christians who tend to take on very little responsibility. And then there are those who are active, alert, generous Christians who tend to take on too much responsibility. Isn't that crazy? So we, we really, and, and I've been in the church my whole life, and I've seen this, and I tend to find myself, you know, kind of running to that extreme of taking on too much responsibility. So there are two groups of people, some who don't take on enough responsibility, those who take on too much responsibility. Which one are you? You know, and that would be the question to ask yourself this morning. And, and this is generally and typically true in American Christianity, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work within local church families. And that's been pretty typical. I think we're a little bit above that uh, here at Desert Breeze. And uh, we, hope, we hope that we are. And we're going to push towards that. But 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So here's what a Messiah complex is. Messiah complex is that I don't have to do anything or I have to do everything. It's, it's one of those two extremes. Because I actually have friends uh, that are Christians that don't even think they need to be connected to a local church family. I can still be a Christian and not be connected to a local church family. And, I, and that's questionable. I, you, can, you might be able to be a Christian, but you're not going to be a healthy Christian. You're not going to be a strong Christian. And, and it's obvious you're not really truly walking with Jesus because Jesus is madly in love with his bride expressed through local church families. And so you're going to be plugged into a local church family. That's just, that's all there is to it. And so, uh, because if you're really walking with Jesus, he gave his life for his bride and you're going to fall in love with his bride as he has because you're part of that. And so that's important. So here's the question we're going to deal with this morning. How do you find balance between doing nothing and doing everything? Sound good? Because that's really what that Messiah complex is. Well, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to kick back, just come in and be a consumer. Well, that's not, that's not Christianity. Or you're going to come in and try to do too much. And I've seen people do that and then they get burned out and they don't do anything. They go from this one extreme to the other. They just kind of check out. So where's that balance? We need to find a balance because we're talking about crazy busy and we need to go from burnout to balance. So that's where we're headed. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray and then we're going to dive into the text. Father in heaven, it's your sacrificial love of your son, our savior, for each and every one of us on the cross that controls us. It compels us. It has captivated our hearts. How could we not want to completely live our lives for you after you have completely given your life for us? Your love is better than life. Teach us what it means to be fully devoted followers of you and therefore experiencing a fullness of life that is unparalleled. Disturb the comfortable, comfort the disturbed this morning through the study of your word. Help us to find the balance between doing nothing and doing everything, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So take a look at this this text. Oh, my goodness. It's a wonderful text. And, and uh, this text is, is like a large, hot caramel breeze on a cold winter day, okay? So, uh, I mean, it, it's like time in a hot jacuzzi to soak your aching muscles after a stressful uh, day at work. This is Jesus speaking to us. Maybe you're familiar with it. I had, first of all, memorized these verses in the King James, and then I memorized, you know, uh, 
part, in, in the NIV, and now I had to rememorize it in the ESV this last week. But as I was working through it and meditating on it, these are great verses. In fact, I can't help but think that you're here this morning because you just need to hear these verses. And, and listen to what he says here to us. This is our Savior speaking to us. He says, come to me. This is Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. So those two words, you're just saying, man, you got a lot to do and you are wore out. That's basically what he's saying. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just maxed out by life. You guys ever feel like that? Show of hands? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so he's saying, hey, you know what? And there's a lot of different reasons that we can be that way. We can labor and be heavy laden. It can be that just we're trying to find our sense of satisfaction in, in the temporal as opposed to the eternal. And I'll tell you what, you're going to labor and be heavy laden because you're not going to find it in the temporal. You're not going to find it in the temporary things. You're not going to find it in somewhere in creation. You're only going to find that in the creator as he goes on. He says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I need to stop there just for a minute to find the word yoke. How many are thinking yoke? That's weird. That's that yellow part of an egg. And he's saying, put that on you. That's weird. I don't think anybody here was thinking that, though. You guys know what a yoke is? A yoke is that uh, kind of that wooden harnessing system that you put around ox or oxen, and you kind of put them together so they can pull a plow or uh, a wagon or whatever. So it's a harnessing, uh, kind of a U-shaped harnessing uh, system. Uh, kind of wooden framework for harnessing oxen to pull a plow or a wagon. And so that's what he means by that. So take my yoke. So what he's saying is that I, I do have responsibility for you. Just because, you know, you're now following me doesn't mean you're not going to do anything. I have some things for you to do. And he says, take my yoke upon you. And then notice this. He says, learn from me. Follow me. Let me be your teacher. That's what discipleship means. See, if we're helping people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, true discipleship is about following Jesus. And then he says, learn from me. For notice this, for I am gentle. So he's not a slave driver. He's not going to beat us up. So this message isn't meant to beat you up. It's just meant to really evaluate your life. Where are you? Bring you back to Christ to discover the beauty and the glory that's found in him. So he's gentle and lowly is, is a word humble, which just means to be, it's an accurate view of yourself. It's being in touch with reality. And what we find in Jesus's life is that he was 100% totally dependent upon the father. He didn't do anything unless the father told him and empowered him. And so he was completely guided by, by the father. And so that's what, and I think we talked about it last week. Humility is just a, it's a blessed self-forgetfulness. You're not self-consumed. Jesus wasn't self-consumed because he was already full, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit of God, full of the favor of the Father. And we talked about it last week. That's what humility is. And so that's what he's saying. Learn, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Check this out. He says it again. And you will find rest for your souls. Mm. Rest for your souls. For my yoke, the responsibility I'm calling you to, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Great stuff. So, 
I mean, that's, that is a fountain of living water after walking in a hot, dry, desolate desert when you come to that. And I, I mean, this last week I just feasted on those verses. I meditated on them and just and really met Jesus in those verses. Now, let me give you some things here. A couple of questions we're looking at. What is a Messiah complex? And then uh, how do you calm the crazy person inside? Okay? Because some of you have that crazy person inside. I know you. I've seen you. You're like me. And it's not from the too much caffeine either, okay? It's just there's a lot of other reasons. So what is the Messiah complex? Let me give you some thoughts here. Number one, it is a failure to turn to Christ, to turn to Christ, give up control, and learn to trust. It's all three of those. We see that in the text, verse 28. So turn to Christ. He says, come to me. Come to a person. He's not teaching us a technique. This isn't a technique. This is coming to a person. It's knowing Jesus. It's having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the work of his Holy Spirit. When he, when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Just as I was with you, the Holy Spirit will be with you. So we have the Holy Spirit with us. So we come to him by prayer through faith. Holy Spirit meets with us. So we come to him. And that's turn to Christ. Give up control. That's take my yoke. And then learn to trust. Learn from me. So turn to Christ means faithfully enjoy Christ as your identity and most satisfying reality. So that's what he's saying when he says, come to me. He's your identity and most satisfying reality. When he says, take my yoke, basically what he's saying here is diligently obey all that I command, whether you agree or not, because you can trust my love for you. And then the learn to trust, this is the hardest one. Learn to trust, which is learn from me. It means to patiently accept all that he sends into your life, whether you understand it or not. That's a hard one. But that's what brings rest. So it's a failure to turn to Christ, give up control, learn to trust. Now, let's let's unpack that a little bit more. Verse 2, he says, or I say, I wrote these notes out. Who who did this anyway? But... uh, It is trying to do what God does not expect you to do. So he says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. I've got responsibility for you. Now, here's what's interesting. People that get up close and personal with me, and then they find out I'm a pastor. First of all, they're shocked that I'm a pastor, especially those that knew me early on in my life. And then the second thing is that a lot of people think, man, if he can do it, then anybody can do that. (laughs) And I would always say, well, no, not really. Because if, you don't, if you're not called, if this isn't the yoke that he's placed upon you, you better not do that because you will crash and burn. Does that make sense? So see, he's, he's called me to do this. And with that calling, he has empowered me to do this. So it's not for everybody. But he has called you to something. So don't try to take on the yoke of somebody else. Take on the yoke that he's called you to. And that's, that's part of it. Because if you try to do what you're not called to do, you're going to crash and burn. So when he's saying, hey, take my yoke upon you... Are you trying to do what God does not expect you to do? You're taking on too much. That could be stressing you. Here's the next thing. It is doing what God expects you to do apart from his empowering presence. Now, I know this, that I will crash and burn if I don't rely on him 24-7. I am so totally dependent upon Christ to be able to be the, the pastor that I need to be in this church. There's no way that I can do this apart from his supernatural power and strength. There's no way. And believe me, I am on my knees regularly 
pleading with God for his power and his ability. I mean, I get up early on Sunday mornings and, and even throughout the week, there are oftentimes I'm, I'm awakened at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I think it's probably just TMB, which is too many birthdays. But uh, other than that, uh, I use that as an opportunity to, uh, to connect with God and to pray and to seek him. and to Oh, my goodness, those are sweet times. And I am totally dependent upon him. And there are times when I'm, I'm trying to do this without his empowering presence in my life. When he, says, when he says, come to me and learn from me, that's what he's saying. His empowering presence enabling me to be what he wants me to be, to do what he wants me to do. Oh, by the way, you need to know this. If you're a Christian, you can't pull that off. You can't live the Christian life in your own strength. It's a supernatural kind of life. If you think you can just coast in this Christian life and be the, maybe the husband or the spouse or the parent or the co-worker or the single person that God wants you to be, guess what? You're not going to be able to do it apart from his power and strength. You are totally dependent upon him. That's what he's getting at here. And I'll tell you what, there's not a sweeter life than walking in communion with him and knowing him and, and experiencing him in your life 24-7. I love it. That's what he's talking about here. Um, and so that's, that's part of it also. That's part of that. By the way, he will, he will call you to do things that are, that are going to be over your head. I mean, if you're only kind of like, you're not taking any risk here, I'm only going to do a few things. He's going to call you. He may call you to lead a small group. And, and most of what he calls us to is over our head. You've got to make sure that that's indeed what he's called you to. So, so it almost sounds a little bit confusing here when I say, hey, be careful. You know, you don't want to overtax yourself and you don't want to be so crazy busy. But, but, but there is, you, need to, you need to take on some things. You need to risk some things. That is, if he has indeed called you to take those risks, then his power will be available. So you've got to first of all decide, okay, God, what have you called me to? And then secondly... It's not based on whether or not you can pull it off or not. It's really based on if he's called you, and with that calling will come the power and the strength to be able to do that. You guys tracking with me? Hopefully I'm not confusing you. There's an interesting book by Francis Chan called Forgotten God, and he, he says a number of things in here that I, I found really encouraging, but I just wanted to read here something. He talked about there's two things that keep us really from experiencing the presence of God in our life, and that's comfort and volume. And I wanted to just address one of them, and that was comfort. He said, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper or comforter. Let me ask you a simple question. Why would we need to experience the comforter if our lives are already comfortable? So if you're only doing that which is comfortable for you, you're probably not following Jesus, okay? Because he's going to ask you to do some things that's going to, you know, like reach out to your neighbor, Talk to your co-workers about Jesus. That's kind of uncomfortable, exactly. But his supernatural power is available to you. Start a small group in your home. Lead a small group. Get involved in ministry. Help out with our children. Could be any number of things. You're going to be a little bit frightened by that. But that's where you're going to begin to experience the comforter unlike ever before. He goes, it is those who put their lives at risk and suffer for the gospel. Philippians 1.29 who will most often experience his being with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. Though this verse is true for all believers, of course, God is always with us. If we are never alone or feeling like we need him, how much do we care or need to know that God is with us? In other words, if you're not stepping out from time to time, 
You're going to the hospital and visiting a friend and being willing to step out and pray for them. I mean, I feel inadequate a lot when I'm praying for people. And that's a good place to be because you're totally dependent upon the work and the power of the Holy Spirit to supernaturally work through you. And oh my goodness, you want a front row seat to see what God does best. And that's touch people's lives and that he would use you. That's crazy, isn't it? And I, I have that experience almost every weekend. I am blown away. There's hardly a week that goes by that I'm not blown away by God's supernatural work and power working in people's lives here that come through the doors of Desert Breeze. And I realize I'm just a channel. I'm just a vessel. I am totally dependent upon him. I wouldn't be able to do any of this if it wasn't for him. And that's all part of this. And so, so that's part of understanding this whole Messiah complex. Now, so we can be doing what he doesn't expect us to do, or we could be doing what he does expect us to do in our own strength. So find out what he expects you to do, but make sure you're doing it in his strength. That's what I'm trying to get across, okay? Now, when you do that, here's the next point. Either way, this will result in very little margin. I'm going to have much margin in your life, which is the space between my load and my limit. Verse 29, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. So let's talk a little bit about margin. What is margin? Margin is breath at the end of the staircase, it's money at the end of the month, okay? It is sanity after raising your delinquent children, okay? It is energy at the end of the workday so that you can play with your kids or be involved in ministry. I mean, God doesn't want you just to... I, when I ran track in high school, I used to always think I hadn't ran a really a good race unless I just collapsed, you know, at the end of the race. And uh, some of us live our lives like that. And you're collapsing way too early. The race isn't over yet. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So you've got to pace yourself. I've been learning. The older I get, the more I'm learning to pace myself. And that's really important. That's having some margin in your life. That way I have some flexibility. When my mom calls me up, needs some help, you know, or my dad or family members, I can go and help them. I've got a little margin in my life. I've got some reserves. I've got some energy. When there's an emergency that hits the church, I can be there and help and be a part of that and support. And you need to have that. Not to waste just doing nothing, but just to have a little bit of margin in your life. And that's what he's talking about here. And that's what we're talking about here. You will find rest for your soul. Now, margin will give you peace of mind, better health, stronger relationships, and available for God to use. I, I just talked about that. So verse 30, so, so for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so really the idea, let, let's, let me take it back in the last few weeks. You've taken care of the work below the work. When he, when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, you've taken care of the work below the work. What do you, what do you mean by that, Pastor Ray? The work below the work, the work that you're doing. Why do you do what you do? You are working from rather than for your identity. In other words, you're working out of completeness in Christ rather than deficit, thinking that you're trying to achieve or accomplish. In other words, you're not working for your glory. You're working for God's glory out of the abundance. That's, that's what we're talking about. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. As I've said the last few weeks, you can be weary even when you rest. Therefore, a decade or two, I was weary when I'd go on vacation. Even when I was trying to rest, I was still weary because I hadn't done the work under the, under the work. I hadn't found my rest in him, my satisfaction in him, my identity in him. And you can be weary even when you rest, and you can rest 
even when you're exerting yourself. I'm finding that sweet spot of I'm resting even when I'm exerting myself. I find that even when I get up on Sunday morning and I'm, and I'm up here, I'm, I'm rested. There's a rest. There's a confidence. There's a joy. There's a peace that supports what I'm saying and, and doing here. So I'm resting even when I'm exerting myself. Now, let me show you this video. Uh, this is a video from uh, some of the players. I apologize to all you f- uh, 49er fans because uh, I noticed some Bronco fans right here. But you 40 whiners. Uh, I'm going to be showing a... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. There are a number of 49er fans, but these are. this is a uh, clip from the Seahawks. These are some of the players of the Seahawks. I want you to listen to their testimony because they were asked... Who is Jesus? And you get a sense because these guys are playing the 49ers today, the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks, and this afternoon, and uh, I'm going to be watching. And quite frankly, I don't like either one of the teams because the Cardinals aren't in, in the playoffs and, uh, you know, they're, they're our opponents. But I liked how these guys responded because basically they are saying that Jesus is better than the Super Bowl. See if you catch this. Because these are guys that I, I really think that maybe they have found that sense of that, that work, they've found that rest in Christ. And, and uh, so check this out and then we'll talk more about it. Uh, who is Jesus? Uh, Jesus is everything. And the great thing about Jesus is he'll meet you right where you're at. You know, and it, it's free. You don't have to earn it. You, you don't have to work for it. It gives it to us because he loves us and he's full of grace. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning and end of everything. And, uh, you know, in, in my life, you know, to understand the where we've reached, you know, which is, quote, unquote, in the world's view, the pinnacle, um, you really see how empty that is. And um, having Jesus in my life, you know, you really see how important that is because you see that he is everything. I mean, to take Jesus, who is perfect, and to be so humble as to come to earth as a mere man uh, and to live the life that he lived, uh, despite knowing my sin, to go to, on the cross and to die for, for my sin and our sin and, and everyone's sin, um, to me, I mean, that's everything, you know, that's, that's joy, that's peace, that's love to think that him and his perfection uh, would do that despite knowing, uh, the really the, the depths of who I am. Jesus is love. You know, at the end of the day, we're all looking for, for something like somebody to comfort us, for somebody to be there for us at all times, for somebody when we're, we're in the worst times of our lives, when we're battling with something, with struggles, whatever it may be. You know, when, when we're at our highest point, too, as well, when things are going really well, we want somebody to comfort us and be there for us and say, great, you know, you know, well done, you know, and, and, and that's Jesus. Jesus has always been there. He'll, he'll never, never leave you, never forsake you. Literally, Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. And it's, it's, it just makes sense. It's not like you give up your life and then you get something worse. You know, it's like Jesus is... All of us can you tell give us the that. worst and get the best. That's <laughs> no question. You know, he gave us everything. We had nothing. He gave us everything. So literally, it, it's just one plus one equals two. It's just that simple. You know, Jesus is better than anything that we could ever hope. Even better than a Super Bowl, better than an NFL career. Is the NFL anything. coach supposed to say that? That anything is better than the Super Bowl? Don't Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know if this Edit is... that out. You know, any, I think some of us here, all of us here would like to say... 
you know, who knows what's going to happen. But if we ever to win the Super Bowl, to be able to tell everyone that, no, Jesus is still better. Because as, yeah. much as, as much as we worship this thing called a ring and championship, although we like to have one for sure, I, I just can't wait to tell people. If that happens, God willing, we'll be able to tell people, yeah, Jesus is way better still. Because you're going to wake up the next day, things are going to be the same if you don't have Jesus. If you have Jesus, it's still going to be awesome, win or lose. So. Good stuff, huh? Good stuff. We would have uh, put the 49er guys up there, but uh, we, we couldn't find any Christians on the 49er team. I'm kidding. That was, a, that was bad, wasn't it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't. Uh, I'm going to go out the back door after this service is over. Because I know there's a number of 49er fans. Isn't that interesting? Better than the Super Bowl. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I mean, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's what these guys are saying. And I think they just kind of help kind of emphasize that. So, okay. So, let's talk more about this. So, the Bible is, is a big book. It says a lot about the poor, about marriage, about children, about evangelism, about missions, and about social justice. It says a lot about a lot. And almost any Christian can make a case that their thing that they're into in ministry should be the main thing or at least one of the most important things. And it's easy for preachers and leaders and old Christian friends to pound away at more. We should pray more. We should give more. We should show hospitality more and share our faith more and read our Bibles more and volunteer more. In fact, if you were just to look at all the different ministries that we offer here, I mean, there are so many different ways that you could get involved here just in the in the classes that we're offering here currently just to just to grow in the grace and the knowledge conflict resolution uh ladies tuesday game of life pathways great class marriage enrichment men's retreats coming up and we've got a lot of men's activities so there's all kinds of small groups things like that i've gone through this before it's been a couple years but just help with our weekend services the only way that we can pull off a saturday evening service and many of you stepped up Thank you for that. We can start our Saturday evening service here in about a month. And it, it help, it, we need help in that. And that's, that's an opportunity to get involved. Youth ministry, our college group, children's ministry, life groups, life study groups, celebrate recovery, healing from the inside out, grief share, mending the soul, men's fraternity, women's ministry, true woman. Game of Life, mentioned that. Servant Leader and Mentoring, Epic Ministry, Monthly Leadership Development, uh, Marriage Enrichment, Financial Peace University, Parenting, Desert Breeze Cafe, Phoenix Rescue, Crisis Pregnancy, Tala Kenya Missions, Orphanage, uh, Our Mexico Missions, Backpack Drive, Thanksgiving Food Boxes, Angel Tree, Global Training Network, um, Campus Crusade for Christ, The Patricks, we support them among many um, benevolence ministry. I mean, the list goes on and on. So here, here's the thing. You can't do all of these, but you can do something. You can be involved in some form or fashion. What has God called you to do? Now, to keep you from going to this extreme, and, and oftentimes new believers do that. They tend to run pedal to the metal until they crash, and then it's on the sideline for a season. Don't want to do that. How do you balance that out? How do you, as I said, how do you calm the crazy person inside? 
Now, most of these points are actually from the book, which is the springboard for this series, Crazy Busy, Kevin DeYoung. Most of these next points are from that book on this particular chapter. So how do we get from under the terror of total obligation, that whole Messiah complex? Here's number one. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. You are not the Christ. The, the, the tendency, if you're a first responder, you're uh, a police officer, fire department, medic, doctors, nurses, counselors, whatever, the tendency is to think, oh my goodness, I've got to do something to help them to, to somehow fix their lives. The Bible is very clear. This is what John the Baptist, this is actually a quote from John the Baptist. I am not Christ. You're looking for Christ? I'm not the Christ. Don't confuse me with Christ. You may be part of the bridal party, but you're not the groom. You're not the Messiah, so don't try to be him. Your job is not to fix people. Your job is not to fix those people in your life that you desperately want to fix, okay? I know. I do too. There's people in this church I'd like to fix. I know my wife would like to fix me, okay? That's not your job. Your job is to contagiously put on display the beauty and the glory of Christ. If God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him, what's the best way to glorify him? By you being satisfied in him. How many of you have ever seen that, uh, that show that uh, Guy Fieri does that uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives? How many have ever seen that show? An interesting show. And, uh, and this guy, so he goes to these dives or drive-ins or whatever, and then he, they're putting all the, their, their specialty together, and he describes all the details, and, and uh, I'm watching and salivating. Ah, and then, he, then they put it all together, and then he takes a big old bite of it, and you're like, oh, man, and he describes the details. And, and I mean, there's many, many times that my wife and I have been watching that, and we're looking for a place here in town that we can get that very same thing. Like right now, what is he doing? He's just contagiously showing you, and, and that's what has made sometimes those diners very popular. What is he doing? He's just putting on display the beauty and the glory of the food that this diner you know, uh, puts together. See, so, so as we walk uh, in this vital relationship with Jesus Christ, the best way to put that on display is just for you to be satisfied in him, to be so excited about him. You can't help but want to talk about him and tell people about him and point to him. We're, we're signposts. That's what my job is on Sunday mornings, just to keep pointing to him. My desire when you leave here on Sunday mornings is that your appetite for God is just Oh my goodness, I want, I want to know the God that he talks about. That's my job. Because I'll tell you what, you get to know him. He is so soul satisfying and life liberating, unlike you've ever experienced. And so that's the best way to, to really communicate that. You're not the Christ, but you can certainly point to him and you can walk with him and you can put him on display. And so our job is not to fix people, but to really to is to contagiously show them Christ. And here's the next thing is, uh, oh, by the way, I, I, let me share this with you just real quick. This is, uh, we've got uh, some uh, firefighters and medics and, and uh, people that are in here. And I just wanted to share this story because this was a really helpful story for me. This goes for everybody. But it was a number of years ago and I was doing my vehicular on, uh, at Station 18. And it was in the old Station 18. And it was one of the busiest, I don't know if it still is, but one of the busiest stations in town. They ended up putting another unit there. 
another uh, engine company, just to run the call volume out of that station. And uh, me and my partner, we worked a code, and it didn't really go very well. Code was just trying to resuscitate a person. It didn't really go well. We were really frustrated and stressed out. We got back to the station. I remember the senior uh, uh, firefighter medic that was kind of overseeing us set us down at the table. And I remember sitting across from this guy, and he goes, listen, listen to us. Listen to me. Look, look me in the eyes. He says, you guys really screwed up royally. He says, this is what you needed to do. You need to start thinking more like this. We were there to help and we assisted. But, uh, but you know, it didn't go as well as it could have gone. But here's the thing you need to always keep in mind. You do the very best you can. And people will live and die in spite of what you do. That was the most freeing thing that I'd ever heard. And I actually took that over into ministry and realized, you know what? People are going to come through these doors. And people are going to come and go in spite of what I do. And yet what I need to do more than anything is bring glory to him. And do the best I can and leave the results in his hands. And I'll tell you what, there was many times. I mean, I'd go on calls and people, you know, you get a 21 or a young person that dies. That you're responsible. You feel a certain amount of responsibility. You're trying to help, trying to assist them, trying to resuscitate him. And it doesn't go well. And there were, there were times that everything went wrong and the, guy per, the person still lived and times when, when uh, everything went right and the person died. And I began to realize, wait, I, I need to do the best I can and yet ultimately leave the results in God's hands. He's in control. And I, you know what? It just it, it brings a lot of freedom. That's the, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Follow him. Make much of him. Don't make it about you. Make it about him and his glory. You tell people about Jesus and if they... If they flip you off and walk away, that's not up to you. You don't take it personal. You share Jesus contagiously. Don't let that hinder you from sharing Christ with the world and those that you're living around. Continue just fill your heart up with him and who he is. Because he's still more than wonderful. He's more than our, our wildest dreams and all that he gives us. And as we walk with him, there's nothing like the fullness of life that comes as a result of being a fully devoted follower of Christ. Okay, I had to say that. There you go. Here's the next point. I'll move a little bit quicker. There is good news. It goes right along with what we're talking about. It's easy to become overwhelmed by the statistics stories about all the two sad conditions of the world. I have to turn the news off from time to time because I get overwhelmed. Listen, if you're just kind of ticked off about the government and ticked off about the world, you don't, you're not living in light of the good news. Yeah, there should be, you're sorrowful, but always rejoicing. 6.10 of 2 Corinthians. See, so, so you, you might be overly, uh, you're just watching too much news. You're just, you're overwhelmed. Maybe you, the line of work that you're in, after a while, you just feel like you're, it's hopeless. And you just, you become jaded, you become bitter. Don't go there. Balance that out. There is good news. That's the gospel. The gospel is about... It's about good news. God has a solution that far surpasses any problem. That's what I love what we do here. Good news always outweighs the bad. And so you're going to be sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Sorrowful, but always rejoicing. That's where you know you're walking in the balance of that. If you're always sorrowful, you're not living in light of who Jesus is and what he offers us. And so there is good news. Here's the next one, three Care is not the same as do. Care is not the same as do. I love what John Piper said. We should care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. 
Notice he didn't say we must do something about all suffering because we can't do something about everything, but we can care. Not giving a rip about sex slaves is not an option for the Christian. Not doing something directly to combat this is an option. But you will be involved in something. You will be involved in something. It might not be that, but it will be something as you are allowing the kingdom of God to be extended through your efforts and through what God's called you to. Number four, we have different gifts and different callings. Every Christian should be involved in in fellowship, that's G1, discipleship, that's G2, ministry, that's G3, evangelism, G4, and worship, G5. As I said, once you've tasted the life-liberating and soul-satisfying fellowship with God, you'll want everyone that you care about to know him. And, and And it's a team effort. We do this together as we work together. And so... We all have different giftings and callings. Number five, remember the church, team effort. Gates of hell won't prevail. The only work that that absolutely must be done in the world is Christ's work. And Christ's work will be accomplished through Christ's body. The church is gathered in worship on Sunday and scattered through its members throughout the week. And the church is able to do exponentially more than any one of us could do. So as we together... We are able to make an impact. Number six, I can always pray right now. I was sitting at the place with my wife and Frank and Rebecca. We were celebrating her birthday. And I got it on my phone about a family member of our church that their dad was diagnosed with cancer. And they only give him about a year to live. And so we immediately begin to pray right then. We've been praying for them. And people will share needs with you. This is what I would say, encourage you to do. Either pray with them right there on the spot. Say, hey, can I pray with you about that? Or as you're walking away, begin to say a prayer for them. You can't cover all the bases. And don't say, hey, I'll pray for you and then forget about it. But pray right then. Maybe even as you're walking away. I had somebody this last weekend, uh, we left the cart outside, so I circled back around the building and opened up the building and brought the cart back in. And as I was coming back out, somebody was in the parking lot. Maybe they had gone out for lunch and they came back. And this gal had said to me, hey, pray for my husband. He just had surgery this last week. So immediately I began to pray for her husband right then. Boom. I knew knew that God was doing something as a result of of those prayers as I began to pray for, for him. And so we can do that. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray, pray, pray. Pray for the people around you. Pray when you go into the Starbucks for the people that are in that store. You know, pray, pray for me while I'm up here preaching. Pray for the people that are sitting out here that they would hear and be captivated by the beauty of Christ. And then number seven, and this is where it's going to take us next week. This will take us into next week. Jesus didn't do it all. In our study next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about boundaries, about having good boundaries. Some of you need to establish boundaries. Some of you probably watch way too much TV. Sorry. And you spend way too much time on the Internet. And that's the reason why you're just exhausted is because just this inload of a lot of this junk. And there's other things that you can do as you kind of balance out your time. There's some ways of resourcing yourself and really, you know, stepping out of the traffic and taking a long, loving look at, at your high God. But Jesus didn't do it all. This is our text for next week, Mark 1, 35 through 39. Jesus didn't meet every need. 
He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. He spent 30 years in training and only three years in ministry. He did not try to do it all, and yet he did everything God asked him to do. And that's all that God asked us to do is to do what he has called us to do. Here's the last statement. We all have a cross to carry. It's a cross that says, I'll do anything to follow Jesus, not a cross that says, I have to do everything for Jesus. Make sense? See, here's the deal. Let me get a drink here. Anything you do is not to ever be motivated out of fear and pride. That's the reason why you're not going to get a hard pressure cell here from us. If you don't want to do anything, it's maybe because you're not walking in vital union with him. Maybe it's you don't really know him. So my prayer for you is that you would get to know him. Because as you get to know him, you're going to be thinking, okay, what's my next step? Your next step, so let's go through the 5G process. Next step, maybe it's just, I'm going to make a commitment to him. I'm going to make a commitment to this local church family. I think I like these people. I'd like to hang out here. In fact, I haven't never been baptized. We're going to do a baptism party here probably in the next couple months. It'll be our first one in our new building. Pretty excited about that. And so that would be time for you to make that public. So that would be your next step. Or maybe your next step, you've already done that. Your next step is just getting plugged into one of our small groups. We've got a whole wall in there that gives you a whole lot of small groups. And you just keep going from one group to the next until you can find a group that best kind of fits you. Now, if you go through all of the groups and you don't feel comfortable with any of those groups, then maybe God has called you to start your own group. Praise God. But if he hasn't called you to start your own group, you're just jacked up. And you need to go back and find a group that will best help you to not be so jacked up. Because all the groups are jacked up. We're all messed up. We all need Jesus. And so, so that might be your next step. Just what do I need to do to begin to, to, to get plugged in in a small group, begin to feed myself, read the Bible, pray? Or it could be in ministry. Man, we could use some help in a lot of the different areas. Whether it be youth or children's. What is God speaking to you? Or what about talking to the neighbors, inviting them to church? Well, you need to have a relationship with them first, so start there, okay? Just cultivate a relationship with them. Start waving, hi, walk over, talk to them, you know, any number of things. But we all do this because we're motivated by the amazing Savior that we serve because we want to be fully devoted to Him because He was indeed fully devoted to us as He gave His life for us. And so that's why we do it. Would you, let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank You for this message this morning. Thank You for the way it, it continues to help me as You have told us to come to You. God, help us to learn what that means to, to come to You. All who, are, who, all who labor and are heavy laden and You will give us rest, that we would turn to You, give up control, and learn to trust. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to rest in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let me give you a blessing. Here's your blessing to get you out of here. And so next week, you see the text. We're going to talk about boundaries, and you're going to see how Jesus had some pretty phenomenal boundaries in his own life. We're going to learn that in our lives. But remember what our key text is for this series. Key text for this series is Psalm 4610. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do this week. Be still. Take out time. Be still and know that he is God. Step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at him, your high God. The reason why you get stressed out 
and you take on too much, it's because you're not spending enough time with him. When you know who it is that walks through your day with you, you can face anything. So when you step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at him, your high God, you're going to find rest for your soul. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.